Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. A competitor is someone who is internally motivated to be his best, regardless, regardless of the situation. His place on the depth chart does not matter. Money does not matter. Fame does not matter. He is always trying to absolutely be his best. He can't be swayed because he's already maxing out his potential. This dude is trying to PR every day of life. He's got a championship mindset. And when you have a championship mindset, you embarrass the shitty ones and you make the great ones look normal. Final one is the commander. He basically has all the traits of a competitor with one exception. He brings people with him. Which one are you? Oh, oh. from the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio. It's the Hard Knocks Podcast. Training camp of the New York Jets. Episode three, recap. My name is Dan Hansis. With me, my co-host, Colleen Wolf. Colleen, Yo. as Bob Sala said, head uh-huh. coach of the New York Jets, four levels of competitors and i know it's a little confusing because one of the levels of competitors is competitor that one i have a little bit of an issue with but that's fine so i'd say we're both commanders so let's go yeah because i was gonna say i would love to say we are because i feel like commander competitor contender survivor i feel like i've been all of those (laughs) yes maybe sometimes in the same day Uh uh-huh um like for instance survivor is the is the bottom and the survivor loves taking the easy way out, and they're miserable. Um, and, he, and they pull everyone down with them. That they love taking you with them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, like, survive, like Destiny's Child had a huge hit that was just saying how awesome it is that I'm a survivor. And this whole time, Survivor sucks. Ooh, that's a great point. I feel like it's a negative connotation here. And Survivor, you know, if you're surviving, you're doing it right. So first, we, we had... Uh, Ulbrich, the D.C., getting after Belichick. Now Salah's getting after Beyonce. Interesting. Uh, contender, <laughs> someone motivated by external factors uh-huh. like playing time, money, fame, Damn. opponent. Um, definitely feel like that, that checks out. Uh, competitor in the four levels of competitor. Internally motiva- motivated regardless of situation. Always trying to be his best or her best. And I learned what PR is today, personal record, because I'm not a Peloton girl. Not on now, the Peloton. So. Um, not motivated by money, fame, or opponent. This f-ing dude is trying to PR every day of his life. Uh-huh. Okay. Maxing out his potential. Championship mindset. And then commander. All the traits of competitor with one more. He brings people with him. He's a leader. Robert Saul is a leader. I see my, I have a, a couple things here with this. The competitor, which you, as a level of competitors, it's just a little confusing. I probably mm-hmm. would have picked a different term for it. And then commanders, the highest of the levels, when the commanders are also a team in the league, I just maybe would have oh, yeah. gone a different Tricky. route there. But we have some notes, is all. 
We'd like to make this better because we're competitors. All right, can you get Robert Saul on the line? Maybe we could, you know, he could take another crack at it. Like the rookies had to mm-hmm. take another shot at the talent show last week. Right. To this week. Um, it's just like you have and you have three of the levels that start with C. I like alliteration, <laughs> commanders, competitors, <laughs> contenders, and then survivor. Like maybe we go all one to really drive the point home. You're right. You're right. Uh, yes. Episode three of Hard Knocks is, you know, you, you feel like they, this is like a little bit lived in now. Like uh-huh. We know this team. We know what their vibe is. Uh, we know the energy around it. We know the excitement and anticipation. And uh, we know this is Aaron Rodgers' world. And I think about um, what are people talking about coming out of this episode? I think there's there was so much buildup, Connie, to the pursuit of Rodgers. Remember the infamous uh, report that Rodgers had a a demands list or a hostage, not hostage, a ransom note. Ra- sure. That's ransom what, note? Well, that's how how was it presented? It was like Rogers demand. He had a list. He definitely had a list of things that he wanted. Right, and one of those uh, things he wanted was to have Randall Cobb still uh, be uh-huh. a teammate. And uh, but in general, there's this idea, this undercurrent with Rogers that he's so bigger than life and and such the the focus of the Jets universe, which he is. That it's like, how much power does he have? Like, what are we seeing? Right now, that shows how much power he has in this organization. What are we not seeing? Mm-hmm. Which is, we'll get into a little bit later, what we're not seeing through three episodes of Hard Knocks. And one thing we know is that, like, you you got to be able to, you have to reach the level of competitor for Aaron Rodgers for him to deem you worthy of being part of his world. Correct. You know who knows this? Randall Cobb knows mm-hmm. this. Alan Lazard knows this. Garrett Wilson and the other wide receivers are learning this. And I thought one thing everybody's going to be talking about is this clip of Randall Cobb talking to his fellow wide receivers at practice about what you need to do to be on Aaron Rodgers' good side. I was just talking to 12 or 8, and he was just telling me, <laughs> you know, we had a lot of mistakes in our room today, just basic stuff, little things, right? Like, we can't have that. And it's all cool right now, but I'm telling you, one day he's going to lose his <laughs> It's going to happen if it continues to go the way it's going right now. Because if he don't trust you, he's not going to throw you the ball. I can promise you that. If he don't trust you, he don't not like throwing interceptions. So if he can't trust that you're going to run the right route, he's not going to throw it. It's just a matter of time. Continue to work and stay in your book and stay locked in so we can get to where we want to go. It's funny because yeah. even the wide receiver coach has to look like, oh, shit. We don't want to get him mad at us. Well, so you can tell that Aaron Rodgers has that type of personality that he is like so chill. He's so cool. Like he will deal with a lot of BS that comes his way. But when he gets pissed and the line is crossed, he will freak out. And it's scary because it's like he is maybe suppressing a lot of mm-hmm. that all the time. And it seems like he's so even keeled, even when all of the pra- or the uh, fights were breaking out in the joint practices and he goes over to I think it was Devin White and he's like <laughs> like the f*** are you doing man <laughs> and he's like sort of laughing and I'm like ooh that kind of was like a little spiralized but I like it I recognize myself in him in that moment so it's coming and I also like that Garrett Wilson talked about how you have Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard as translators for him and the other wide receivers for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and it makes sense now as you hear an explanation like that from Cobb, why Rodgers, even if some people are like, oh, you need Randall Cobb on your football team in 2023, or Alan Lazard, wow, the Jets seem to give him pretty good contract for you know what his production has been in the league. Mm-hmm. What Whatever makes Aaron Rodgers comfortable makes the team better, will make the offense better, and the Jets, I think... There's a very there's a very fine line from uh, wisely working with someone like Aaron Rodgers, this mm-hmm. bigger than life character, to letting him run your organization, like what happened with Russell Wilson and our friend Nathaniel Hackett uh, last year. And I think the Jets have been on the right side of the line. What I really, but that's from our vantage point, right? I wonder what's really going on on the around the NFL podcast um, this past Monday. Uh, we had talked about how the Jets' offensive line has continued to be a subject of consternation, if mm-hmm. it's going to be good enough. And Rogers basically said in a um, presser, he's like, listen, I don't have control of, you know, who's playing where that's not a decision or conversations I'm privy to. And then you wonder like, if a, is that true actually? And, uh-huh. or B, when does Aaron Rodgers 
step into that room and say, this is who I want playing. Because I think if he wants to be that guy, he can be because he has that much sway, which makes it it's a tough it's a tough thing for Robert Sala because everything is so great because number eight, number 12. I mean, number eight is here until, uh, you know, you get punched in the mouth. Uh, and and what version of Rogers is in that building at that point? Well, I think yeah, that's, uh, it's it's yet to be seen. Obviously, if, if it continues to trend in that direction, that's going to be a, a major problem. Even Robert Sala, when he was talking about the different levels of competitors, at the end he drove home the point that the defense they were there the whole time. Like they showed up, they were competitive. It was the offense that needed the defense to really bring it out of them. It wasn't like the offense showed up. And this is not a knock on Rogers. It's just the knock on the offensive line and just some things that were not in place yet. The offense did not show up with the same fire that the defense did, I guess, when camp started. And now he was thanking the defense for being like, thanks for bringing it out of the offense. Mm -hmm. And ball gas. That's right. (laughs) And like, just to be clear, I don't even think Roger's stature and what we clearly see, the level of respect he he, he engenders, not just from his own team, but everything around him. Uh-huh. He is like one of those rare figures where it would make sense and the position he plays and what quarterback means in the sport to be have hands everywhere. Like mm-hmm. he would be a guy where it would make sense. Now, does it happen at the expense of the head coach having any power, real power? And that's when it would get a little dicey. Right. But Rogers seems to be in the right mindset because he's trying to win another World uh, World Series, another Super Bowl here. <laughs> um, it'd be cool if he won a World Series That'd too. That'd be wild. Um, can anyway, we, can we also talk about the fact that we watched the first eleven minutes of this show without any of the narration? <laughs> we were watching like an a, a, a raw cut of what Hard Knocks was, and I'm watching it thinking. It seems like it's maybe moving a little slow or there's like something amiss and I couldn't quite figure it out. And then we realized we were not watching the final cut. (laughs) So I'm really glad we figured that out. And, and, you know, credit uh, to Liev Schreiber and credit. I I looked it up. I wanted to mention it. Okay, Not just credit to Liev Schreiber, credit to Jerry. I hope I get this right. Remel or Remel, who says writer. In the credits. So uh, as Liev Schreiber had said uh, in the first episode to Aaron Rodgers, don't give me too much credit. Yeah. I just read what's on the page. I think Jerry, big G, Jerry with a G, oh. is out there giving this content. But I mean, I was going to do it a little bit. It's a better later. show with Jerry. Getting need Jerry in the house. Yeah. Jerry with a G. G-Dog. Uh, since we're bringing up Liev Schreiber and, mm-hmm. and how the show is not the same without him, is it, it's not too early, is it, to play the Liev Schreiber quote of the week. Dan, it's never too early. Never too early. And there's a couple things here I want everyone to know. Maybe it's your first time listening to the show. Okay. Welcome. Liev, Liev, welcome. Liev Schreiber, famous actor, um, incredible, incredible voice and a narrator of the show. Um, we can't use it on this program. Legally yeah. disqualified. But we have a buddy named Jay who sounds like him. And this isn't really does too, but this isn't just any other Jay Zumwalt read after what happened last week with the eight no, ball. It thing. wasn't, it wasn't great, but he's, he's coming back. He's on the road to redemption. We hope we think we hope uh, let's play it. The Liev Schreiber quote of the week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in town for a game on Saturday, but today there's a joint practice. The old joke is that New Yorkers go to Florida to die. Now's the chance to flip the script and bury the Floridians. Oh, he's back, baby! You did it. That was man. His voice is so good. Very rich timber. It really is. He's. It, I. I love list. I could listen to Zami do uh, Liev drops all day long. I could listen to Jay Zumwalt read the phone book. <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, and that is true. I've I've heard that my whole life. New Yorkers go to Florida to die. Snowbirds, they right? Retire. Well, they don't come back. Well, there's the two ty- There's the the people that go to Florida for the winter mm-hmm. and then come back. Oh, right. And then there's the people just go to Florida, right. and they don't come back. It's it's a nice place to go and just and live out the twilight years. Um, beautiful. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, and other episode news. It's good though. We finally got the Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Of it all. The Brees Hall of it all. Um, it was right around the Brees Hall moment of the show where Colleen definitely mentioned, wait, there's no 
voiceover here. Well, because at one point there was a trainer <laughs> like stretching Brees Hall and there was no music and there was no narration and it was just silence. And yeah. we were like watching him kind of stretch out his groin and it just felt very off. Right, right, right. <laughs> just like a few minutes earlier, there was one of the Jets coaches just going on the sideline to no one in particular. Competition. <laughs> Competition. 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 And without Liev there. Mm-hmm. You know, a little dry. But now we know, we've learned, in the future we're going to look for Liev immediately. Oh, yeah. We're moving forward. Brees Hall, um, I've said this before uh, on ATN. I'll say it again. It was awesome that the Jets swept the Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards. Uh, The craziest thing is, even if Garrett Wilson didn't have that year, if Brees Hall would have stayed healthy, the Jets would have swept it with Hall and Sauce Gardner. The biggest competition was within their own locker room. Brees Hall's second round pick uh, in 2022 was looking like a monster, like a one of those running backs that hits the ground and is a superstar until week five in Den- Denver earlier in the game. And they show that in this episode. He uh, has a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, I think it was Bob Wischusen, voice of the Jets, says Brees Lightning. I, I love that's like, my favorite. Is this, is this going to be the thing? Is this a thing? Can it be a thing? One drive later, I, I kid you not, he gets hit and tears his ACL. Are we banning the nickname then because of that? Maybe or curse nickname? Because little... I think it's a great nickname. It's pretty good. Anyway, so we get to see Brees for the first time, and it, it's good because we we learn more about his rehab, and um, and he says you have a. He's talking about how. Because we don't really see this as football fans. These guys, I think I said, like, football's the worst, Connie. Yeah, the Be- mental anguish that they're going through. Just how there's no other sport where everything is taken away from you so quickly. Now, there are freak injuries in every sport, but in football especially, and in a running back, and, which is, and this is set against the backdrop of what's happening in the league right now with running backs can't get paid mm-hmm. and having panicked Zoom meetings together, trying to figure out what they could do about it, like... Brees Hall can go from the fastest man on the planet and a budding superstar as a rookie to in an MRI machine learning that his knee is ripped up and he needs reconstructive surgery. Um, and we he talks a little bit about the process and the frustrations of it. Uh, I think it's noteworthy to like Jets beat reporters that are doing their write ups about this this episode. He says, obviously, I want to play the first week, but I got to keep going doing what I got to do. Dalvin Cook's in the building. We see right. him sign. With the Jets, he signs for a pretty uh, big penny as well, Connie. So Dalvin Cook's in there. You you see Brees Hall practicing and looking good. He he hits what twenty one miles an hour. That's the magic number. I I don't think the Jets should. I think they should take every um every caution that they can to make sure Hall's one hundred percent before he plays. Everyone always circles week one, but with Dalvin Cook there, you don't need to do it necessarily. Not at all. Yeah. Also, they have Michael Carter there too, right? Like they have options at the running back position. And if you have Dalvin Cook, I mean, I would assume that that is a huge reason why they ended up signing him because they don't want to rush Brees Hall back because they know what a talent he is and they want to make a deep run. How much do we love Nate Hackett? Oh, my God. Oh, he's so funny. He you mentioned that he sort of has a little Connor or yes. him who is over at Sports Illustrated, used to be part of the NFL media group and around the NFL. But he Nathaniel Hackett just has this funny personality where he will go I up just to want guys to fly around like a butterfly. <laughs> And he's like, hey, hey, uh, hi, I am uh, I'm your uh, I'm one of the coaches here. N- nice to meet you. I think we have it, actually. Here is so we mentioned Brees Hall. So Brees Hall's back at practice. Uh, Nate Hackett was coaching with the Denver Broncos last year. Not well. Um, so he doesn't have any real connection to Brees Hall. They've obviously met already uh, in some capacity, but uh, here's Hackett with that sense of humor. Uh, we both got to kick out of this. Hi, my name's Nathaniel Hackett. I'm one of the coaches here. Thanks. Uh, it's nice to see you out here. Nice. He walks away. Okay. Excuse me. Cut Again, to Nathaniel. It's nice, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks, I feel like I need to defend Nathaniel Hackett. I'm a Hackett head. Like, I love him. I think he's so funny. I, I His personality would fit in perfect with our whole friend group. That's mm-hmm. It's the vibe. And I, and it is fun. Like, uh, you get why Rodgers is into him. Uh-huh. Like, And some guys, some guys hit a level where this is where they're supposed to be. And then they may get promoted one spot up and it's not for them. 
I don't know if this this whole vibe maybe makes sense in the big chair. Right. Especially having the context of knowing what happened last year and now getting to know him a little bit this year. Uh-huh. But in this OC perch with Aaron Rodgers. It's not bad. Who loves him like a brother. Okay, you could see why he's feeling comfortable and good about himself. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of a boss that I used to have before I came to work at NFL Media. He just like seems to always keep it light. And that, no matter what, just makes working with him. And I'm sure it's the same with all the Jets players. Like, it just makes it easier. Obviously, that didn't happen in Denver. But when you're not the head coach, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, you're right. Um, all right. One more thing before we take a break okay. and we get to our MVP conversation for episode three. Um, Woody Johnson, Jets owner, shows up again. Yes. And uh, this is his, by far, his most memorable um, cameo on the show. And I count 2010 uh, that season as well. Um, Woody, do you want to get into, uh, for those that might not be aware of Woody, the context of Woody's appearance? Yes, because I sort of grouped his appearance in under a larger umbrella of cringy moments. There were quite a few in this episode <laughs> and he was one of them because he brought, he addressed the team. Um, and he said that he had a sort of like a surprise for them. And he unzipped his jacket and underneath he revealed an insanely like it just it was almost gratuitous how many diamonds were on this chain. And it said Woody in like <laughs> just all diamonds and let's go Jets underneath it. We, we think, think it says. Yeah, we think we really tried to like pause it and take a closer look. But that now, was you viewer at home, by the way, you might have a higher definition television yeah. than we watch this on. And if you could correct us if we have it wrong, but it definitely said Woody in all caps and then definitely said Jets. And we think go. Uh huh. So it was like that was his way of relating Underneath. to everyone in the audience there. All of the, the players It reminded me a little bit of Kirk Cousins dancing with the chains on the plane yes. a bit had those vibes to it. So yeah, that's um that that was one of the cringe moments. It got it got pop from the players, but then you know if your boss comes in and does that, of course the players are gonna react in a certain way. That's like yeah, um I don't know if like a rookie would have done the same thing. The crowd would have would have had the same reaction. But listen, he's the boss. I want a diamond count. I want to know <laughs> how expensive that was. What he's gonna do with it? Is he gonna wear it more? Is he gonna wear it if they're winning? Like what is what happens with the Woody chain? I don't know. How much do you think it cost? Do you think it was real? I don't even know how to ballpark something like that. I would have no concept. You think concept. it was real? I mean, it's Woody Johnson, so is he getting a fake one? But I don't think so. It seems, maybe it's CZ's. Maybe he just did it for show. Maybe he's a showman. Maybe that's what he did. Maybe. Yeah. Are, you, are you saying he's a commander? Uh, well, I, if he's made it this far in life and I want, has the job that he you does, know what I, I want, guess want, so. You know what show I want to watch? What? What happens when he walks out of that meeting room and he takes the necklace out. Does he throw it to an intern? And the intern's like, what do, what do I do with it? And he's like, I don't care. Just get rid of it. Take it away. Yeah. Or maybe does he just throw it in a trash can? No. No. It goes in like a, a vault somewhere. I'm, I'm going to say that it's worth something, I think. Is it a $3 million chain? I have no idea. I mean, I've never bought a diamond. You have myself. a lot of jewelry I, on. I right don't now. buy. I don't buy diamonds for myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, some of the other cringe moments: the rookie talent show part two, the do-over. Many, many. I mean, this this poor it's rookie class. Just not class, happening for this class. You know what? They're football players, <laughs> and that's exactly the lane that they need to stay in, uh, and that's fine. Although Jake uh, Jake Cap, the tight end, he had a nice yeah. he had a nice performance doing a, an Eminem bit. You know who was really into it? I felt um, our producer, yeah, Eric Roberts, who's right in the age range where Eight Mile, the film, uh, would affect him profoundly as a teenager. I feel like you seem to really enjoy that. <sighs> What's that? I, this is my this is my third guess for loop. Second, third grade, maybe. I don't oh, know exactly man. what year this came out. Let me check real quick. It came out in like '03. I want to say. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I was graduating in 2010, so count backwards from there. It's about sounds about right. Second or third grade. Let's pause the show so you can count back. Go yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, you guys asked who it was. Um, it's yeah, it's the climax of the episode, the the battle rap between B Rabbit, Eminem's character, and I forget the other guy's name, but yeah, it was uh, he got the guy did it from all off the top of the head, and um, 
It was good. Two thousand two. And it's most deaf. Yeah. It shook yeah. ones because that's like throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. practicing in the mirror to it. It kind of reminded me the performance itself. Of it was a lesser version of when Max Crosby was on Hard Knocks with the Raiders mm. and did Buy You a Drink by T Pain, which mm-hmm. will anytime I see mm-hmm. Max Crosby forever when he's on the field making plays, I still think about him singing that this, song. This would likely get some pop on social media. I don't know if it will as much as um, Aiden Hutchinson last year because he killed uh. it. He's his performance was better the the lyricism. And what did the, he do? Billy Jean? No, it was a it was a back, Backstreet Boys in sync. Oh, yeah. One of those. We two. did get a Backstreet Boys thing yeah, to, uh, so, in this but, episode as well. Yeah, I'll give it up to I think it's Jerome Cap. Is that his name? Yes. That that was tough. That was because okay. you they bombed so much in the first rookie show. They were out for blood. Uh, the veterans, like you see, Aaron Rodgers and some other players, just actually had. Guns, not real guns, water guns. Water still guns. ready to That would be attack. crazy. And he, and he held his own. Uh, so, so good for him. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we get back, we talk MVP. <gasps> Who was the MVP of episode three? And remember, it's a vector. Vector voting. Vector voting system. Be right back. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You've the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, welcome back. Here we go. Now, the vector voting system uh, is tremendously uh, important to us. Yeah, I mean, two people who are famously good at math, so this makes sense. Um, Six points, I believe, for a first-place vote. Mm -hmm. Four points for a second-place vote. Two points for a third-place vote. Cumulative. And at the end of the season, there's an MVP. So we're getting to the point now at the midpoint of the season where every vote 
counts. It always does. Really, if you want to get all mathy about it, it doesn't count any more or less because it's all the same. But it just feels more important now because now we need to almost start to make decisions based on who we want to be MVP. You know, you try not to do that and not let your biases get away, but you don't want to waste a vote at this stage. Put it that way. That's fair. That's fair. But I, I don't like to look ahead like that. I like to take it one episode at a time. Oh, you're that? Yeah. Good so I, uh, right. I will not be planning ahead. All right. Who is your third place vote then? Kyle? Okay. My third place is uh, he's actually, I think he was in our MVP voting last week. He stole the show. And this week he goes third cue ball, Quentin Williams, because he had one of the best exchanges that made me laugh in the episode when they have joint practices with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And <laughs> he takes exception to the fact that Mike Evans calls him fat. And yep. I think we have this in a couple parts. Which I can understand that. why that would bother him because Mike Evans isn't just a guy. This is a potential Hall of Famer. Not a Jag. And Quentin Williams is, he established himself as a star in the league and he's got Evans just banging him like that in a big spot. All right, let's listen in. Mike Evans called me fat. He called me fat, bro. Mike Evans. Bro, I lost weight this offseason. I look fat. Now I'm self-conscious, bro. (laughs) He seems legitimately (laughs) hurt by this. Well, then, um, one of his teammates, Michael Clemens, uh, you know, he chimes in. Yeah, I would say, damn, bro. Thick. But I, I think you fit. No, it's good. Oh, you think I rewind it? Do I look good to be 300 pounds? Okay, cool. So, you proportionate. <laughs> he says, I think you're fit for a non-skinny person. And then later in the practice, Quinn and Williams confronts Mike Evans about it and says, you call yeah. me fat. I lost weight this offseason. And then they start joking around about it. But he just goes to show you like how sensitive he is about that. It makes me love him even more. Uh, it makes him relatable. And it, I've thought about that before. Like these guys are elite athletes, but the D linemen and O linemen, like, yeah, they don't, their bodies don't conform to like society in terms of what looks good. Um, and like even DBs, a, wide receivers, they're all built different. Right. So Quinnen Williams, who is honestly like a, in terms of body, uh-huh. there are very few people on earth that were gifted with a body as special as Quinnen Williams. It's just in a little bit of a different package. Yeah. I, I don't love Mike Evans calling him fat, to be no. honest. I don't love it. No. I feel like it was in jest, but because they were laughing at the end, but still. A little bit. A little bit. And it was funny. John Franklin Myers <laughs> coming in at the, at the end saying, you proportionate. That seemed to set off. <laughs> set off. Poor Quinnen. Saying you're fit for a non-skinny person. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. My third place vote. You know, I'm going to give it to uh, the underdogs uh, of episode uh, three. We haven't seen. This is tough for your vector voting system. A lot of it. Yeah, it's kind of I don't want to say it's throwing away a vote, but uh, but um, there wasn't a cleared three to me. So I want to go with Tanzel Smart, a journeyman defensive lineman who's been bouncing around the league uh, for three years. Uh, It did. I I thought initially that he was like 22 or something. I didn't realize until this episode. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was really confused last week uh, when we saw uh, the the after the Panthers game, uh, who was it? Johnny Hecker, the punter goes up to smart and makes the joke about, you know, what he's known for as smart in this season. I want to go to a Broadway show. I want to eat a Carcucci board. (laughs) And I was like, how does (laughs) not to put like punters uh, in a box, but how, how does Johnny Hecker know this like young kid? Like, did he have uh-huh. to have someone like find out what his name and his number was? And he sought him out. No, but that uh, smart came up with the Rams when Hecker was the punter of the Rams. So they knew each other previously. Okay. Figure that out. That um, all checks out. And I, I like, I like smart being focused on because he's trying to make this roster. He's trying to keep his NFL career alive. Um, a lot of times in the show, the focus is on, when we do the quote unquote underdog portion uh-huh. of this, these seasons, it's about either undrafted rookies or a late round draft pick. Uh, smart is in a different category. A guy who's seen it, been through it, has never broke through, but is still in the mix. And you see him making some plays both in practice 
uh, and in the preseason. So shout out to Tanzel Smart. I hope he finds a home on this team. And then the rookie running back on the other side of that, the more customary underdog on this show, Izzy uh, Abanaconda, who that was tough. I got to say, this is more I feel bad for Izzy. And the um, joke, the joke that he made in front of the team, or no? What was the joke again? Something he about the he snake? made a joke about like someone not getting in trouble because their first name was Justice. Oh, <laughs> that was also in my cringe category. That was cringy as hell. I know. Um, I know. No, but they they have the whole thing where he's, he's from Brooklyn originally, so he's a hometown kid. You have all of his family uncomfortably sitting uh, in the stadium yeah. with the camera right on him. That's a tough. That's a tough one. I, I get the way they were, and then Izzy. Uh, gets hurt and gets helped off the field. Luckily, it wasn't a season-ending injury, but it's going to cost him a couple of weeks. So <clears throat> that does present actually the Hard Knocks team with a bit of a conundrum because mm-hmm. he was supposed to fill that void uh, as the rookie. Is he going to find a place on this roster in a very, as you mentioned, very crowded running back room with Michael Carter there, Brees Hall, and Dalvin Cook? Uh, he's out for at least two weeks, two weeks, according to reports out there. So I'm going to give it to the underdogs. Uh, one, the uh, journeyman, one, the rookie. Uh, give them a little bit of love. Who's your second place? Vote? OK, second place goes to head coach Robert Sala. All right. Uh, we already went through the four levels of competitors. But what did we decide we were what? What did we decide we were of, of those commanders? Obviously, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at least Got I mean, it. we're at least. I guess, competitors on the competitor scale. Eric, when you see us, the two of us talking uh, on this show, do you think to yourself, and there's Parker Fenton behind the glass too, does a great job on the video side. Um, He's trying to set you up to tell me that I'm a survivor. No, like, like, <laughs> oh my God, I would follow these people to hell. Like, do you get that vibe? When of we're, course. Yeah. Of course. I think Robert Sala mentions that. That's why Quinn and William Williams got paid all that money. You know, you guys are the uh-huh. leaders. We'll follow you in. We Parker, you could us. just yell and uh, yell so the mic picks it up. Would you follow us to hell? Yeah. Uh, Since you remembered my name. I finally. was going to say, <laughs> Parker was pretty hesitant there. You just forgot her name moments ago. You did double down on the full name. So that was Parker. Follow her on Instagram. But had a lovely journey conversation afterwards. So it feels like you guys maybe yes, have mended your classic ways. classic American uh, rock band. Yes. I feel like that got me back in the good graces. She's wearing a Journey t-shirt today. Mm. See how I clocked that as well? Like, yeah, good ooh. job. Great job. I'm out of it. I'm out of the doghouse, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so anyway, Robert Sala. Maybe we'll come up with like some suggestions for the new levels. Maybe I'll do that on my red eye home tonight because okay. I'm going to be just crushing time. Um, I thought you were going to be listening to Journey on the way home. That and also maybe watching, watching 8, Mile. 8 Mile. I have a lot of things on the to-do list. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time. Like five-hour flight. As it turns out. But for real, the reason he gets the second spot here is because he did an hour on the steps. Can we talk about Not that? Not just any steps. Like the stadium steps? The stadium steps. Are you ca- an hour? 60 minutes? There's no way I would have died after one minute. And here's Damn. the thing. That's just <laughs> that's just his cardio. Look, the guy is cut out of marble. He looks. They showed him at one point on the sideline. I was watching some of the preseason game. Uh, he, he, I think he looks younger. Like he, it looks like he could play. I don't know what he's right doing. now. Like, and so he's working out all the time. He is the head coach. He has seven kids. Seven. Learned. Like how he he must have more hours in the day than than us normals. Good one. He deserves that. Uh, my second place vote. You know, this one is is not just this episode. Uh, ostensibly, it is this episode, but it, I'm going to give him a little love. And I think this season's better because Zach Wilson's involved with it. Okay. I find Zach Wilson, and we've talked about this, to be compelling because of where he came from, which is second overall pick, face of the franchise, or that was the hope, falls on his face in just brutal manner um, last season and loses his job to his childhood idol, and I just feel like Wilson is someone that's in a good place right now. And there will be a time in his career um, where he probably is under the harsh spotlight again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's technically the plan in the, in the Jets, like big picture pie in the sky that Rogers makes them a beast the next two years, at least two to three years. And maybe they get that Super Bowl. And then when it's all over, he hands the reins to Wilson, who now in in this planet that the Jets occupy um, has buried all that bad 
football earlier in his career. Now he's learned from the great uh, Rodgers, and he could tap into his natural. That's the plan. Uh huh. Now it might sound ridiculous, and even as I'm saying it, this all sounds no like a movie. I I actually wrote down in my notes when we were watching. I was go. I wanted to ask you if it gave you any more confidence thinking about the future of Zach Wilson that he could actually learn from Aaron Rodgers and take over and be successful eventually. Well, they no. Because you, you did just start talking about the plan. That's how, the plan. Because you could see it as you wa- as you watch this whole episode. Here's what I know. Here's what we know about Zach Wilson. He is physically talented. Okay, that's how he became a number two pick. Even though he was dominating, uh, you know, not big time programs when he was at BYU. But he has talent. If he was ever able to figure out the mental side of the game, yeah, maybe there is a good quarterback in the NFL in there. Does he have the leadership skills to make it happen? Does he have the durability? Is he a commander? Is he a commander or is he a survivor? That's the question. And right now he's in survivor mode, which is just like, and not maybe in the way Rogers or Sal is saying it, like he's just resetting his life right now. And we're kind of long for the ride for that. It happened again where someone came up to him and it was saying like, yeah, how are things going, man? And he's like, you know what? It's just been good this year. Like everybody knows he's put kind of took the, the ship into the uh, bay and just docked uh-huh, it in neutral. Uh-huh. And it's just trying to get things under control. And we've been able to see that over the last couple of weeks. Um, and any Rogers Wilson conversation, I just enjoy because it is like an uncle talking to his nephew. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and but like an uncle and nephew that have affection for each other, you uh-huh. can see that because uh, you could see how Wilson will bust Rogers's like balls on things, uh-huh. and, and Rogers will just kind of laugh it off. Um, it was Kyle Trask their conversation, uh, the latest Wilson conversation with someone else, and and he said. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, it just doesn't run. Every conversation he's having is about how the last two years were rough, but this is good. Yeah, it, it almost yeah. all of those conversations remind me of like two people just sitting at a park, like skipping, skipping rocks, skipping stones in the in the lake, just kind of hanging out. It, that's it does have that like <laughs> yes. uncle and nephew vibe to it. But Zach Wilson just seems overall so relaxed and like he's so fresh faced. He's so green. He's so wide eyed. But he does just have this. You can tell that having the ability to be behind Aaron Rodgers and not have all that pressure on him. It seems like he's just more at ease too, in general. Yeah. Um, your first place, first place goes to Randall Cobb. Wow. Okay. Yes. So in this one, we get a look at Randall Cobb's personal life a little bit. Had we heard from him at all really in the first episodes? No, because this was the first episode where we all talked about his eyes being so piercing. Yes. So I think that that was the first time it was like really on our radar. Big Um, green eyes just for this season, but he, we get a chance to meet his wife. We see his kids. And also we get the news that there's another baby on the way as well. And this really made me laugh. There's going to be another hand in the cop mob. Cop mob. That's so cute. What do you keep asking me for in my belly? A baby. A baby. Yeah. Guess what? You do have a baby now. Mama, I have a baby. My <laughs> I don't know why I found that, that so, is, so adorable, so funny. That's such second child energy, by the way, <laughs> by the, the kid, because he's already worried that he's going to be displaced. Pushed Mommy's out. Mommy's favorite, yes, yes, by this so new child. It was that, <laughs> and then I also really got a kick out of... Randall Cobb going around to the different Jets players and telling them to clock Thomas Morstead running off the <laughs> field, um, telling everyone that he he basically sprints when he's finished. Uh, and that it kind of reminded me, do you remember that Reds pitcher who used to sprint from the bullpen to the mound? I think it was Jared Hughes, maybe. Okay. But it was this like all out sprint right. and he looked insane doing it. And that's sort of what Thomas Morstead did. And they had this whole funny um, montage where they were like spot shadowing yeah, him, fun. just going out of frames and stuff. It was great. Yeah, I I, I likened him to um, like a soccer dad who's yes. trying to chase down uh, the garbage truck with his trash can that he got out just a little bit too late. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so when he's finished punting, you guys must watch him to see him sprint off the field. And his explanation was, uh, I felt seen as a 43-year-old dad. His explanation was he has to do it. It's not because he's a like a psycho or anything. Uh-huh. It's because you know, he gets, he's getting a little older. He tightens up. He's got to feel loose. So he does his little power sprints to loosen up the, the old limbs so he doesn't pop a hammy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes, so that's my number. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my number one is... Quinnen Williams. Oh, I think Quinnen Williams has been a real treat uh, uh, because even as a Jets fan, I didn't really know much about him or felt like I knew like what his personality was. And yeah. that's like when this show is at its best, um, you learn more about these guys as people and you see he's just like a fun loving guy. And like, I, I honestly think with that, we played it earlier with his um, Mike Evans exchange. I think that was real. I think he's kind of a sensitive guy. Yeah. I think he's. Um, but he's also kind of kidding on the square because he he knows how good he is. He's confident in mm-hmm. his abilities, but also like is seems like someone very easy to talk to. So it's good to have somebody, and you can see the way Salah talks about him. Um, that they they have this rare guy that's hugely talented that they felt comfortable investing a ton of money in because they know the money's not going to make him uh-huh. a worse guy. It's just going to amplify what makes him a good. Uh, teammate maybe now is he a commander he said he's a commander he seems almost too nice like Aaron Rodgers I could see as a commander because you kind of got to be like the way Cobb explained Rodgers like you guys things are all right now but you don't want to mess with him because he will light your ass up if you keep messing up like this big Q does Does football have that in him I don't know if he does but he doesn't need it I don't think necessarily to be he's an all-time great Jet lovable I talked to him at the combine years ago and he was the exact same way and he had his braces at that point and a huge smile and he was just so happy to be there and so easy to talk to and was offering up all sorts of fun stories and I remember after he walked away from that interview everyone that was on the set with us we were all like I don't care where he goes. We will be fans of his. Didn't he have braces? Yeah. Yeah, He was like a teenager. Um, Yeah. There you go. All right. Good. And the and and the vector voting system, only two episodes left now. So every vote counts. This is a big app for Quinn and Williams uh, in the MVP race, Mm -hmm. who I think has now announced himself as a real player as hard knocks MVP. What's coming next as we before we sign off? You know, one thing I want to say so much hand wringing about the Jets not wanted to do the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the idea that what kind of access did we get? Will we get, we have gotten a lot of great access. We've learned yeah. a lot about the players. We've learned, um, you know, good practice access, you know, fun sideline stuff during these games. Are we going to get Connie in any of these last three episodes? Does it get, we get closer to cut down day. Like the old model was actually better for hard knocks where, mm-hmm. Uh, cuts kind of were broken down into phases instead of all in instead one of shot. all in one shot. So that that built up some of the drama narrative wise for the show. That's gone. Um, but I wonder, are we going to see conversations behind the scene between coaches? The coaches rooms talking about let's use the, as an example, Connie, the running back conversation, correct, where they have four guys that they like, but really probably only room for three of them. Mm-hmm. Um in old in prior seasons of Hard Knocks, we've seen the running back coach pounding the table for a guy he loves. We've know. seen it do Staley. We saw it last year in Detroit with the Lions. That's how we met so many of the coaches. Will we That's see how that? we fell in love with so many of the coaches. I want to see the deliberations. I want to see guys getting into arguments about why their guys should make the team. And also, I like I always love in the background, you kind of see the board, but you can't make out the names. I just want to see <laughs> the whole setup of what they're dealing with up there. And I was like, I'm thinking even of not that long ago, the Browns hard knocks. Greg Williams, the D.C., publicly or not privately, I should say, privately challenging Hugh Jackson, the head coach, with Hugh right there. Um, and Hugh, that was spicy. And Hugh, in, in a you know self-defensive way, saying, "I'm driving this bus." Like real tension in that room. Now, every I know, at least from where we're standing, everything is great and hunky dory around mm-hmm. the Jets right now. But there's got to be these are all guys that are competing, and as coaches, they all have strong opinions. Maybe we'll get some more of that in the last two apps. We don't Let's know. Let's see some drama. We're here for the drama. Mm-hmm. The the gossip. Let's see it all. Mm-hmm. All right. Connie, you've said it all. I have. You're all off. gas, no break. You're off You're off to Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully there will be breaks. All gas. Oh. Uh, for the plane. Um, 
that God, yeah, I hope so. That's where you went. <laughs> Let's do the math here. Let's <laughs> what? Yeah, I hope there's landing gear too. <laughs> uh, we have eight miles, about probably two uh-huh. and a half hours. Uh, a best of journey playlist. Yep. Um, maybe I'll. Sh- you want a like a ten track best of journey? I would love that. I'll shoot you a little link of that. Mm-hmm. So that'll be an hour. So that takes you to three and a half hours. What is it? Five hours to Philly? Yeah, about that. All right. What was the other thing you were going to do? There was something else, and I already forgot it because I didn't write it down. <laughs> I do have a bag of meatballs, though. That bag I of meatballs. In, so. You're going to scarf those down. Yep. Um, they're going to be smelly, and the person next to you is going to be pissed off. It's going to be great. Bag of meatballs. Uh-huh. It's going to surprisingly take a long time to eat the meatballs. 20 minutes. Yeah. So now we're at three hours, almost four hours. And hopefully I can remember what the other thing (laughs) was. Oh, I remembered it. Uh, I was going to come up with new categories. New categories. For the four levels of competitors. That will take you easily an hour. And you're touching down (laughs) at the Philadelphia International Airport. Straight to the Phillies game. And away we go. Go see them Phils playing great baseball. Yeah. The second Mm half. All right. More than I could say for my Yankees. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, go win a World Series for the Yankees. <laughs> we, we could use you. We could use you. All right, that's it. Uh, until next Tuesday, thank you to everybody for following along. And, and of course, check out Around the NFL as well for more football takes. Uh, till next week, heed the call. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.